0: All right, good morning, everybody. Is that time now, the time to get into the Word of God. So let's pray and uh, humble our hearts before God and open our hearts, ready in submission to the truth that He's going to reveal through His Word. Okay, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we uh, once again, we come to You with a heart full of worship and, and, and adoration to You. We submit ourselves. And Lord, we ask you that you will open the truth that is contained in your word. And uh, we want to know what you have to say for us today. And uh, fill us with your spirit, Lord. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's all go open our Bibles, whatever you have there, iPhone, laptop, anything. Let's go to the book of Revelation once again. It's Revelation and uh, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to start reading from verse 7. Revelation 3, chapter 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, The words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Well, the passage that we've just read is the letter to the sixth to the sixth, uh, church church of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And uh, as we read the Book of Revelation, especially on this these letters to the churches, we discovered from that from uh, the start of in the series of, of of the book of the study of the Book of Revelation is that at the time of the writing of this book the cult of emperor worship was flourishing especially in this area where the, the seven churches were, the this uh, province called Asia, which is a province of the Roman Empire. While on the one hand, the cult of emperor worship was flourishing, the church on the other hand was the only community who refused to succumb to the pressure to worship the emperor. Yeah. Why? Because their attitude is, yes, we will render to caesar what is caesar's but we will not render to caesar what is god's and because of that there was going to be a showdown between the state in all its might against the church in all its fragility so jesus then revealed himself to john to tell him to write letters to all the seven churches in that area and to, to encourage them, because these churches, are uh, they were ill-prepared, ill-equipped for, for what was to come. And from the letters that John wrote to the churches, we learned that it's not the chaos that's happening in the world that will be the undoing of the church of God, or, or we, even us, as a church of God, like Diane shared before, pretty much. It's not all the chaos that's happening there that will be the undoing of us as his church, but what is tolerated within the church that will be the undoing of us, okay? So, two major themes in the book of Revelation, and that is the revelation of Jesus and the triumph of the church. And there is correlation between these two themes, the revelation of Jesus and the triumph of the church. That means that the key to our survival or even our triumph as the Church of God in any given situation is not seeing Jesus in the light of the situation we are in, but seeing the situation that we are in in the light of who Jesus truly is. Okay? And this is clearly seen as we read the messages to the churches, the different ways in which Jesus revealed himself to all these churches relevant to their situation and what they had to deal with he connected who he is and what he represents specifically in context to what they are specifically facing for example let's look at the church of ephesus that we've covered before the church who had lost the very essence as the church, their very essence as the church, they lost it. And Jesus revealed himself as the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, which is a symbol of the churches, seven churches. And if they did, this church, if the church of Ephesus, if they didn't repent from their falling away from loving people the way they did at the start, which is really the essence of the church, loving people. Because Jesus said, by this the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. They lost that. Okay? Then Jesus said, if you don't repent from that condition, he said, then I will remove the lampstand from its place, meaning that the one in charge of the church would remove their status as a church unless... They repent from that unloving way. Okay? Let's look at the next church. This is still in the context of the revelation of Jesus in connect connecting to the survival of, or a triumph of the church. Okay? Smyrna, who was severely persecuted and faced imprisonment, which would involve torture and death. So to this church that, that was facing life and death situation, Jesus revealed himself as the first and the last who died and came to life. You get it? And his encouragement to them is that, listen, whatever you're facing, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Can you see that connection? Let's see another church, Pergamum, who lost one of the members of the church called Antipas who was slaughtered by the sword of the local authority so in that situation Jesus the local authority used their sword to execute one of the members of the church Jesus revealed himself as he who has the sharp two-edged sword now the issue however the church of pergamum was holding on to the evil teaching of Balaam and Nicolaitans. So, Jesus' response in dealing with that situation that he said, I will come soon and war against you with the sword of my mouth. (laughs) Can you see that? The correlation, right? So he's confronting the worldly manifestation of their issue and mirroring with the specific spiritual answer that is contained within who he is. The re- revelation of who Jesus is, when you think about it, is huge, it's massive, it's vast. Yet, he is presenting to each church only that aspect of himself that is pertinent to exactly what they, they are facing. Which, once again, clearly shows that he wanted them to see their situation in the light of who he is. Okay, say, so let's go back to this church of in the city of Philadelphia. Let's talk about Philadelphia as a city. It is a city founded in the year 140 BC and was called the Gateway to the East. Its founder was Athelus Philadelphus, uh, hence the name Philadelphia, named after him, the the founder. Now, the city, as a prosperous city, it was intended to be a center of missionary activity for the Greek way of life. Now, that's culturally, socially, religiously, everything, economically, all that. The the church there in Philadelphia was, was quite small. And similar to that church in the city of Smyrna, in that both cities faced persecution from the Roman community, from the Romans, as well as the rejection from the Jewish community, the Jewish community which Jesus called the synagogue of Satan. All right? So uh, let's look at having that understanding uh Let's look at the the, the passage now that we just read. As as with the other letters to all the the other churches, the general structure of of this letter also the same with the other, as the others in that it's got greetings, acknowledgement, uh, commendation, instruction, and promise. So in this we 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 see Jesus. Connected who he is and what he represents specifically in context to what they, the Philadelphian or uh, church in Philadelphia, are specifically facing. Let's uh, read the greeting here in uh, Revelation 3, verse 7, which contains the description of who Jesus is. And it says here, Revelation 3, verse 7, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Okay, now, look at this. The presentation of Jesus here is more than just the son of David, as traditionally known then at that time. But as the one who has the key of David, which is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 22 verse 22 okay and when you read the expression of this sentence the whole sentence in that verse 8 chapter 3 verse 8 it presents to us a royal authority and therefore speaking of shutting and opening the gate of the kingdom not just about David but it's about the kingdom all right indicating that Jesus is the only one who has the authority to open this gate to the Philadelphians. And because of that, no one could stop them from coming in. Mm. Powerful. So can you see the revelation of who Jesus is to where they're at? We'll talk more about that later on. So now move to the acknowledgement and commendation. Verse 8. I know your works, You have but little power, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. In other words, whatever little power you have, you have managed to keep my word. Whatever you've been through, you're going through. It says little power because of the persecution from the Romans and also the rejection from the Jews I can imagine the weariness will be there in them it's like the, the probably the temptation to give up like, but Jesus said as little power that you have you have kept my word now Jesus was mm-hmm. commending them for that strength it's powerful which means for us true Christians it doesn't matter what we go through through tough times, even now. Like Diane mentioned before. Through weariness, I know many of us feel the same word. But guys, keep the word of God. Keep the word of God. Now here's the thing. In verse 8, the result of them keeping his word, okay, not only that he has kept the door of the kingdom open, but he also makes sure that no one can stop the Philadelphians from entering in. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just an open door, but no one's, he will make sure no one can stop them from coming in. Powerful. Why? Because they kept the word of God. Yeah. And then in verse 9, not only no one can stop them, he said, he make those of the synagogue of Satan who rejected these, these people come and bow down before the Philadelphians' feet. Why? So they will learn that the very people being denied entry at their synagogue are those who are loved by Jesus and welcomed into his kingdom. Mm. <laughs> Jesus really, <laughs> he really wants To show off his people. (laughs) He will keep the Philadelphians. In verse 10. From the hour of trial. So because they keep the word. No one can stop them from the kingdom of God. And while they are in the world. It says in verse 10. He will keep them from the hour of trial. That is coming on the whole world. To test those who dwell on the earth. Let's just. Let's just focus on this verse first, okay? The reason is, the reason I want to focus on this verse 10 is because many, some Christians or even many Christians, especially those from the North American interpreters, see this verse as a support to their specific doctrine called the doctrine of rapture. (laughs) We'll talk more about that, but I just want to mention that in the context of this verse and it's a doctrine which which is which believe it's a belief that you know in the supernatural snatching away or taking away of the church from the great tribulation prior to the second coming of Jesus okay so they believe that this rapture will happen before the final three and a half or some would say seven years of great tribulation I want to say this: This interpretation of chapter three, verse ten. I want to say say this nice and clearly, is the result of the classic mistake of reading into the text mm-hmm. what you believe, instead instead of believing what you read out of the text. Okay. The next thing is one verse. One verse is not enough. Or it's not adequate to build a doctrine. Mm -hmm. Come on. Now I'll give you, let's let's talk about reading out of the text instead of reading into the text. Let's read this verse, okay? He said, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. It's simple. He said, "I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world." He did not say, "I will take or snatch you away." Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And another point that I'm on on straighten strengthen my 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 my, uh, my my view on this. This same John records the last moment of Jesus and his disciples. The night before his crucifixion in the gospel of john chapter 13 all the way to chapter 17 and in chapter 16 verse 33 what did jesus say in the world you will have tribulation but take heart i have overcome the world and further on in chapter 17 verse 15 jesus asked his father not to remove his disciples from the hour of trial, but to protect them through it. Yeah. That's good. Come on, guys. Yeah. So here's the thing. The biggest flaw in reading rapture into this verse is that it raises the question, okay, why would John in his attempt to encourage a local church going through a very tough time then write about something so far in the future that would be unrelated to the situation they were in Mm -hmm. then why would he do that don't read into the text what you believe but believe what you read out of the text okay Enough of that. Let's go to the exhortation and promise. <laughs> Let's go to the exhortation and promise. Okay. He said, hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Now, for other churches like Ephesus and, uh, and Pergamum and Thyatira that we've read, repentance is the way for them to conquer. But for this church, Jesus said, hold fast what you have. What Hold fast to what? The word of God. That's what they were doing. Okay? So, we're going to go to the promise, but before we're looking into the promise, I would like to to give you the, the setting here, all right, of these people, these Christians. Many of, okay, many if not most of the Christians in that region were Jews. Okay? They, Including the non-Christian Jews, they were there as refugees because they, they 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 ran away during the destruction of the temple, which is the fulfillment of the, the prophecy of Jesus, how not one stone will rest on another. And in the year seventy, the Roman uh, soldiers came and annihilate the whole city of Jerusalem and the, and the temple. Okay, and. This is this is what's important. When you talk about the temple, this temple was very sig- significant to all the Jews, Christians or non-Christians. It was the very thing that traditionally brought the Jews together. That's why you know it says on the day of Pentecost, okay, it said Jews from Cyrene, from Rome, from Enoch, you know, like, from all over the world came. Temple was the center the pivotal thing for, for the, the Jews at that time. So, as a matter of fact, even after the day of Pentecost, Christians still used the temple as a place of prayer. That's why when you read about the man got healed in Acts chapter 3, it was Peter and John, they were on the way to pray and worship in the temple. So they were still using the temple, you know, for pray, a praise and worship. So, after the destruction of the temple, the only place of prayer and worship that might somehow resemble the temple is the synagogue, okay? However, at the time of the writing of this letter, the Christians there in that city that we're talking about found themselves in the foreign land, no temple So they're looking for a place to worship and to see God. Even when they went to the synagogue, they were rejected. Can you imagine? So, what do we do? We don't have a temple. We can't even go into the synagogue. Then comes the promise. Let's read the promise here in verse twelve. The one who conquers, okay, okay, by holding on to my word, okay, I will make him a pillar in the temple. Not just, you just cannot walk in, I will allow you to walk into the temple. I will make you a pillar in the temple. A significant part of the temple. Wow. The temple of my God. Never shall he go out and I will write on him the name of my God. Okay, so there are three things. Three names here. The name of my God, And the name of the city of my God? (laughs) This is crazy. Mm. The new Jerusalem, which comes down from, from, from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. So in other words, what he's saying is this. The name of my God, as people belong to God, the name of the city of my God, as citizen of the new city of God, the ones that we don't know is the name, my new name. I don't know what's going to be in mm-hmm. heaven, you know. So, I mean, just think, the significance of what, what is written here. It's like, wow. We feel like we we were disoriented, and yet Jesus gave this amazing promise. So this is the conclusion, okay. You guys, you muse, us just get ready. I'd love to sing that song, Your Kingdom Come. Woo! We talk about the Kingdom Come. I want to say this the word of God the truth of the gospel has always been a dividing force in human existence right from the beginning in that the gospel divides people who are perishing and people who are being saved to those who are are perishing it says it's foolishness but to to those who are uh, being saved it's the power of God Jews or Gentile it doesn't matter So, so the gospel will divide people into those two groups, and here's the thing, bring it to our situation in the midst of a politically correct and pluralistic society where tolerance at all costs and in all contexts is upheld, and the existence of absolute truth is denied, I want to say this, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the very essence of our faith, is even more offensive than ever before, Mm. whether you like it or not, yeah, that's why Jesus said in John chapter 16 verse 33, he said, in this world you will have tribulation, he didn't say you might have tribulation, he said you will, it's a promise. Wow. I wanna say this to Christians who like to name and claim. Let's claim tribulation in our lives. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's, I, I shouldn't joke about that. But but yeah, I'm sorry I'm sorry being cynical, but with all the promises that be be we claim into our lives do we claim tribulation? Well, it, we will come. We don't have to claim it because that's the promise, your promise of Jesus. Okay. So what what do we do? What do we do with this with this situation? Well, verse thirteen is that he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church or to the churches. What is it that the Spirit was saying to the churches? Well, in the church of Philadelphia. Is holding on to the word of God. Well, Jesus said, the spirit of truth will guide us or lead us into all the truth. John 16, 13. And the truth is none other than the word of God. Okay? So for the Philadelphians, Jesus said, I know you have but little power. You're weary, but you have kept my word and not denied." it. Number one, number two, you have kept my word, okay? Because you have kept my word, so so he's the promise three three four promises to to those who keep the word of God, as we we learn from the Philadelphians. Number one, Jesus will, Jesus will open the gates of the kingdom, okay. Number two, in verse verse ten, he will keep us through trials because of the word of God and the last thing is we will earn the crown because we hold on to the word of God the crown of life and while we endure this thing like I said before it's seeing Jesus in the light uh, seeing our situation in the light of who Jesus is you want to see our situation in the light of who Jesus is? How do you do that? The word is it. There's no other way. The word is the one that describes who Jesus is. Now you can, you can talk, you know, like some people on the multimedia, oh, Jesus is loving and all those things. No, how does the word define love in Jesus? It's not what you think of what love is or what Jesus is, but the word says who Jesus is. You have to keep the word. Now, when I see, say keeping the word, I'm not just saying quoting verses and chapters, but finding the truth that is contained in those verses and make quality decision to live by that truth no matter what, to submit to that truth that you find in those verses. Why? Because it is the truth that will set us free. It is the truth that will preserve us and sanctify us. said before about the Philadelphians, there was no building, no synagogue, no temple. God said, no, you keep my word, the temple is there, you can't see it, but it's there, you are the temple. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse, verse 4 to verse 5, where he said, as we come to him, the living stone, we are like living stones are being assembled together. So remember what I was? Yeah. And if you're from other churches, if you listen to this, the COVID-19, I know some people get upset because oh, we can only meet once a week or once a month. Or, it really doesn't matter. Holding on to the word of God, making us the temple of God. So we we probably think, oh man, you know, we, we get, yeah, I do too. I, I feel the same way. It's like, man, if we can't meet regularly, but God said, no, Listen. Do you have the Word of God? Do you worship according to what is described on the Word of God? Do it, because that is the temple. Yeah. So don't depend on facility. Just like these people, they didn't have the temple, they didn't have the synagogue. God says, God still said, you are the temple of God. So guys, let's get our acts together. Our act together. <laughs> we are the temple of God. Hold on to the Word of God. At any cost, at any situation, whatever it is, it's the word of God. Okay. Let's just lift our hands. Let's just come on, Chuki, just just keep playing.